Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. Just filling in for Jim Rome and fending off invitations to play golf with Garrett Ritt and have him barbecue for me. Finally. Finally. I've been waiting on that invite. Coming to you live from the Rocket Morgan Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket Camp. Phone number on the show here on Jim Rome, 1-800-636-8686, romanhevatake.com, at Jim Rome, jimrome.com. If you're on hold and you have a phone line that works well, unlike poor Billy in Toronto, stick around. We'll get to you. We'll get you on there. Canadian hitman going after his own fellow Canuck tweeted, hey, Bill, was Billy in Toronto calling while falling from the CN Tower? It's really funny until the end of that image. I mean, it's a pretty funny tweet. And Bella B, get a little, usually Bella B's pretty nice. Thankfully, we can't hear Billy in Toronto's call. Pretty good. All right. Oh, I love the crickets. The crickets drop. It's, it's really, really universally applicable to a lot of different segments. For example, you ready? I'm just going to... Here is the... Um, here is the the recording of the Lakers' war room in responding to Rob Polinka's approach to free agency. Nice. Or we were able to capture, in an audio sense, every Chicago Cubs fan's reaction to Jed Hoyer tearing the team apart. Or this was the reaction when, when Rich showed up today in the Chop and Broccoli shirt. From Ritt. <laughs> I respect it. I didn't know what you're gonna do. I thought you were gonna just panic and go with silence, and I was gonna let it ride. Mm. You sound like Homer Simpson there. And to be fair, you kind of look like Homer Simpson from here. A little, right? Like there's a little. No. That's not a good call. No. You can't run the host. Believe me, there are the same seven people listening who would like that to be true. But I'm here. 1-800-636-8686. Rich just, Rich doesn't know that his microphone doesn't go on the air. So I have, he talks to you, but he doesn't understand. He's only been here for like three years. It's okay. Chocula, you're on. I believe was the response. All right. So Mark Medina is going to join me here on the Jim Rome show in about 40 minutes. We'll talk NBA free agency. A lot of moves in place now. Kemba Walker, if you miss this buyout from the Thunder, expected to sign with the Knicks. I like the move. I don't love it. I think it makes him a little bit better. It's an affordable way to add him. Vegas, the odds on the Knicks winning an NBA championship did not change in IOTA. We're waiting on Kawhi Leonard to make up his mind. I know he's probably going to be a clipper. The notion that it's an absolute reality, to me, is wishful thinking. If it were a done deal, Kawhi would have done that deal. He's so unpredictable he, he's so hard to read. Big news, I think, that's been a little overlooked, and I, it's been overlooked by me. I did not mention it in the first hour here on the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio and, and CBS Sports Network is that John Collins, who has a ton of upside, was in a dispute, a contract dispute with the Atlanta Hawks, who was great for stretches of that run and had some, some games where there were duds, and that's going to happen when you're a young guy, has agreed to a five-year, 125 million dollar extension turned down I think it was four and 80 man 
you can play hoops a little bit or a lot, and you're going to make a ton of, a ton of cash. And then there, there's the Chicago Bulls, who have been an also-ran, an afterthought for a really long time, which for us NBA fans is a little bizarre because most of the teams that have made an imprint on the history of the sport in a way that's forever lasting, you're the Lakers, you're the Celtics, you have been able, from all the way back to your glory years, right, from Magic, from Bird, from Kareem, from Russell, to maintain a certain level of excellence. It's not always, it's not absolute in every case, but each of those organizations have been competitive going back the last 40 years, every two or three years. The Lakers have obviously won multiple championships in this century. Celtics have won. But no one's had more success, I'll argue to I'm blue in the face, ever in a, I mean, I guess it's actually an eight-year stretch because of the two years Jordan took off. But what the Bulls did with Michael Jordan is the most dominant, remarkable, successful thing in our lifetimes in sports and team sports. I mean, these guys never faced an elimination game in a game seven in the NBA Finals. And Jordan won three in a row, which, as you know, is really hard to do. Just went to play baseball, came back, won three more. And the Bulls, in the moment he left, have been, for the most part, a disaster. They had that short run with Derrick Rose, and I love that Derrick Rose got paid by the Knicks, even if he got a little overpaid. And Rose was young and healthy and became the youngest MVP ever in the history of the sport. Derrick Rose, by the way, will be probably the only MVP in the history of the NBA not to make the Hall of Fame. I guess if he keeps grinding out, maybe he'll get a little nostalgic vote. But this is a Bulls team that hasn't been relevant for a long time, consistently until now. And it began last summer. I was actually filling in for Jim when the news came down that Billy Donovan had decided to become the head coach of the Bulls. And everybody just, and I texted some NBA source, what is what the hell's going on? Nobody had a good answer. Hapless front office. Not a lot of talent. All these other jobs where he would have been in an instant position to be competitive. And obviously the Bulls sold them on a vision they were willing to pull off. Because you look at the moves they've made. They went and they got Nikola Vucevic last year. Big trade, interesting trade. Didn't really matter. Like it's not like Chicago is going to be relevant. It was sort of it was interesting. Zach Levine has emerged into a not a good, a great player emerging superstar. And I know a lot of you probably haven't seen Levine play a lot, and he hasn't been dynamic at the Olympics. If you're watching those games at 3 in the morning Eastern time, he's a great player. And then you roll into this free agency, and they spend money on Lonzo Ball, which I love. I, I love the Lonzo signing. In the, in the market today, what the NBA pays, and remember, remember, there's a cap, there's a, there's a floor you have to pay, guys. Players are guaranteed a certain amount of money in a certain pool, half basically all the income that comes in, and there's a cap. So it's going to inflate salaries in that mid-range for guys like Lonzo Ball. Unless you eliminate the max that you can pay a player. And my boss at CBSSports.com, Adi Joseph, who is an NBA guy by trade, was texting me the other day. It was an amazing idea. And I actually love it. I'm going to write about it. I'm going to steal his idea and write about it. His proposal is you, you don't change anything other than there's no max. You can pay, there's some minimum that's maybe higher, but if you want to pay LeBron James $90 million, and then you can't, the next closest guy is 20 that's the way that it is. Because it will avoid these contracts and situations where Duncan Robinson gets Michael Jordan money. 
and Lonzo Ball gets Michael Jordan money. But in this reality, today, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, who signed with Chicago, Patrick Williams, who was their fourth, I want to say, overall pick in a recent draft, and Vucevic, that's a really good basketball team. Billy Donovan's a really good basketball coach. I mean, let's go through it. Lonzo is not even a good. He is a great on-ball defender. He is a great defensive player. He has remarkable court vision. Out on the break in particular, he's going to set these guys up. Levine is probably going to emerge. He's already there as one of the best scorers in the NBA. DeMar DeRozan's an interesting case for me because I, I, I really he's a great teammate by all accounts. I like the guy in my very limited interactions with him, right? But, but you can tell he's a good dude and he wants to win. He has played for a Raptors organization where they had some success. Now he left and then they won an NBA championship. Went to the Spurs where you learn a lot about basketball under, under Greg Popovich. It's just his game is so weird. He's got a great mid-range game. He's a good offensive player. I don't love him in most spots, but I like him on this team. Patrick Williams is a good player, and Vucevic, I think, is a great player. Three of these guys have been all-stars. They have three all-stars on this team. The Chicago Bulls, and I know Alex Caruso is not a stud, not a superstar, and that's another guy who got paid so much money for what he can do. But off the bench, as a ball handler, can run the offense at times, good shooter, this Bulls team is, they might be the fourth or fifth, be, fifth best team in, in the Eastern Conference. So, I know i got to put the Nets on there. And the thing with the Nets is they're either the best team by a wide margin or they're what they were last year, which is disappointing. I, I don't believe they're going to stay durable, but we'll see. So, they got the Nets. This is no particular order. Milwaukee, Wisconsin fans, please don't get mad at me. It's not me forgetting the Brewers like I did a couple days ago. It's not in an order. But the Nets are a top team in the Eastern Conference. The Bucs are a top team in the Eastern Conference. At least in the regular season, Philly's a top team in the Eastern Conference. And I want to add this, too. I don't think Ben Simmons works. I don't think he works. This notion that Philly is going to win a bunch of games and then go out in the first round of the playoffs last year is just dumb. If they don't make any changes, if there's not a single change, Philly can still beat every single team they play in a seven-game series the way they're constructed. I don't think they will. But they can. And a big part of the reason, by the way, Ben Simmons doesn't work is because Tobias Harris is getting paid superstar money. He's getting paid Jimmy Butler money. And breaking news, Elton Brand, he ain't Jimmy Butler. But that is a, that's a really good Sixers team. I think they're going to move Simmons. I think they're going to get a big price. And I think it's probably going to be worth whatever someone spends if, they, if he goes to the right spot. The Miami Heat are up there. And after the Heat, for me, I think the, Bull, I think the Bulls have leapfrogged the New York Knicks. I think they're a better team now than the Knicks. I mean, there are some guys in that Knicks team that are interesting. I like the Kemba Walker move a lot, a lot. And Julius Randle was great. But the Knicks are a superstar score away from being a playoff contender. If you put Zach Levine on that Knicks team, I think the Knicks are, they're certainly an Eastern Conference contender. And maybe maybe better. The Bulls have everything you need in the modern NBA to be successful. They have defensive players. They have a guy in Levine who can get his own shot. 
They've got a guy in Vucevic who's an all-star who stretches the floor and can do a lot of different things. And they've got someone in DeRozan who can get buckets when the going gets tough. I love Chicago's moves. And this is how, if you're going to be bold and you're going to spend money, you do it. You do it with a vision and with a plan. Because there was a lot of criticism when, when the Bulls offered Lonzo that money. But they obviously knew what they were doing. Does Lonzo Ball at four years and $85 million when it's said in a sentence without any context sound sort of ridiculous? Yes. Yes, it does. But do you care what he's making when he's paired with Levine and Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan now? I don't. I'm not trying to keep out Patrick Williams, but Vucevic, DeRozan, Levine, and Lonzo are all good enough to be... I mean, Lonzo's not an all-star, but he can certainly be an all-NBA defensive team player and an impact guy. I love what the Chicago Bulls have done. And you juxtapose with the Lakers. They got... This Bulls team is mostly young. They're athletic. They're going to be anchored by a rising star in Levine. Now, they got to pay Levine. I know he's a little put out. He wants more money. I get it. DeRozan's a veteran. And you juxtapose that with the Lakers, who've got LeBron, who's amazing but getting older, Anthony Davis, who's amazing but always injured. Always injured. Russell Westbrook, who's not amazing but pretends to— Look, I actually like Westbrook. I— a lot of radio hosts, a lot of people in media, and that's not even fair. A lot of human beings don't like to criticize people they like or they see every day. It can be not that I see Russ every day. It's socially awkward, whatever. I'm never going to lie to you. Westbrook is the worst player in NBA history who puts up those kind of stats. He just is those kind of stats. I mean, this tripled, who cares that he has a triple double? It doesn't matter. You know, if I can Alex Rodriguez this thing, Alex Rodriguez is an amazing player. But if you can't hit the baseball in the postseason, it doesn't matter. Westbrook's game does not translate to playoff basketball. And it's, 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 it's so unfair. It really is because I wouldn't feel sympathy if it was a guy that was not likable, was a phony like, like Chris Paul, for example. Got to get that shot in there. If, um, you know, if, if he was the, I'm going to go tennis, Nick Kyrgios of the sport where he's like talented, just doesn't care about, doesn't like the game, or was a bad teammate, or was a bad guy, any of it. Any of it. Westbrook is a great person, is authentically who he is. That doesn't always make him likable, but who cares? I'll take authenticity over phony likability any day of the week. He desperately wants to be a great basketball player. He's been willing to subjugate his ego in order to play with Harden and Bradley Beal. He came back home. He's a great dude, man. I would love Russell Westbrook to get a ring. Of all the people that, that are out there that I don't think are going to win championships— because of their own shortcomings. Russell Westbrook is the player I most want to be wrong about. I'm not a Lakers fan, but I got a lot of friends who are. I am a Russell Westbrook fan. He's just not, as, as a source told me the other day, he's just not very good at basketball. And, and that's not my words. That's, a, that's an NBA source's words. Who knows what he's talking about? I haven't even gotten to Dwight Howard, who's going to start on a team. Dwight Howard's going to start on a team that has NBA championship hopes. And if he doesn't, Mark Gasol's going to do it. I have been watching Olympic basketball. Gasol is 36, going on 52. That's where he's at. I'm going to do another soccer joke. He's got a Neymar body right now. And if you're not following international soccer, that's not a good thing. If you can see me on CBS Sports Network, it's basically the same thing. It's basically the exact same look. That's why I'm sitting in a chair talking about sports, not trying to be Mark Gasol or Neymar, competing in those sports. I know Malik Monk's a nice addition. 
I think the Bulls had a better offseason. I do. I think the Bulls had a better offseason than the Lakers. And it wouldn't shock me if next year's Suns or Hawks team, which, by the way, a little humble brag here on the Jim Rome Show, I got the tape to prove it. Executive producer of the Jim Rome Show, Tom DeVenedetto, was the executive producer of Writer Than You, my show. He can tell you, I called that. I got mocked, and I called it. The Bulls are going to be the team next year, I think, that make that jump. All right. 1-800-636-8686, RomanHaveATake.com, JimRome.com, at JimRome. All right, clones, it's your chance. You're up. It's you. Well, I already got run on this show. Has a host ever gotten run? To be fair, I did I did listen to a, I loved, I love Trainwreck Thursdays, where um, Rit once dropped a, a drop on a guest, and Jim had to explain, you don't do that in radio. But there's no rules today. You can run me. <laughs> This is a metaphor for your business's journey. Sometimes it feels like the world is throwing everything it has at you, and to succeed, you need someone to guide you through. That's what Dell Technologies Advisors do. They have the tech advice to help you navigate whatever challenges you're up against and get you safely to where you want to be. <sighs> Call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL and do more with modern devices and Windows 10 Pro. <laughs> One of my favorite, um, one of my favorite NBA writers and reporters is Mark Medina. Now at USA Today as a national NBA writer, covered the Warriors, covered the Lakers here in LA before that. Mark G underscore Medina on Twitter. M- Medina, you're a big enough deal. It's time to drop the G. We just got who's Mark Medina? Is this like some guy that hasn't tweeted since 2009? We gotta get Twitter on this. I, I have no idea. All I know is when I try to do the. You know, just the first and last name, it wasn't possible. So I had to go with the middle initial and the underscore because I'm not that big of a deal, to be I, honest. I mean, the G does stand for great, and it's going to be great to hear your take here. We um, we started the show, I started the show, with two interpretations of the Lakers' free agency moves. The first, you know, Russell Westbrook's out of the mix, mellow. You got some shooters. You got some discounts. The second... This is a group of octogenarians and stars who have never been successful outside of LeBron in AD in the postseason. Which view do you subscribe to? What is your take on the Lakers roster as now currently constructed? Well, it's funny you outlined it there because I did a column basically sifting through that same idea that, you know, on paper it's an NBA championship contending roster, but on paper it's also a combustible roster. Um, I wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, I don't have enough confidence to bet money on it, but if I had to take a guess, I'm more optimistic that things will work out because when you look at, you know, Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony, yes, they've certainly uh, have been used to being star players. They've certainly had their struggles with, uh, you know, playing team-oriented ball, but the context is they're at the end of their career They've done a lot of things, you know, with the exception of winning a title. And they've shown in recent years more of an openness of, you know, shifting their role. Um, and then I think that, you know, for all the sacrifices the Lakers made with getting Russell Westbrook in a deal with the Washington Wizards, with, you know, um, leaving away some of their, their young pieces, they still were able to make other moves to get young players and also to fulfill positional needs with three-point shooting and defense. But at the end of the day, I'll, I'll read it off to you here. Carmelo Anthony's 37, LeBron James 36, Marcus Saul 36, Trevor Reza 36, Dwight Howard 35, Wayne Ellington 32, Kent Bazemore 32, Russell Westbrook 32, 
when you add those many players that are past their prime or nearing it, you can't help but wonder, well, injuries become a concern. You add in Anthony Davis. He's only 28, but he's had a checkered injury history. So there are a lot of, I think, encouraging things, but there's also a lot of signs that could point to this becoming a disaster. And, you know, with the Lakers, it's always entertaining one way or the other. Mark Medina here on the Jim Rome Show. As you might have guessed, I come down on the more pessimistic side, Mr. Medina. Of course you do, Bill. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't all, you know, we can't all see the glasses half full when this glass is actually a quarter. Here's my concern. Well, let me ask you the question this way, uh, Mark G underscore Medina G for great. Even if they're all healthy, what kind of a defensive team is this? Because this this was a really this was a great defensive squad last year. It does not look to me like it is likely to be a great defensive squad this year. Yeah, they're they're taking a step back defensively, but they still have some good defenders that can be reinforcements. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they got Dwight Howard. That might be a concession that they regretted leave, letting him leave last season to Philadelphia. Um, you know, I think to a man individually, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Reeser are good defenders. Taylor Horton Tucker, one of the reasons why they retained him is they're, you know, encouraged with his growth in that area. Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk are good defenders too. But I think the issue, and I think it'll it'll play both ways, both offensively and defensively, is that even if you have a buy-in for most of the guys, um, it's just a lot of new pieces. And that's going to leave Frank Vogel with a lot of challenges of just implementing new things, experimenting with rotations. You know, I think the positive thing is that unlike having a handful of a lot of young guys, uh, because they're veterans, they, they know how to play the game. But when you're dealing with, you know, how do you – adjust your roles and how do you figure out what the right combinations are it's good that they have a training camp and a whole regular season but there will come to a point where you can't be doing this the entire run um so yeah there's a lot of a lot of challenges from an x's and o's standpoint that frank vogel will have as well as a lot of challenges with managing different personalities um and you know frank vogel has shown in a short time as a lakers head coach that he's good with managing both star players and role players are good with making tweaks to his rotations, but this is also a whole other animal. So it'll, it'll again, be filled with a lot of interesting twists and turns. And you said it, Mark Medina. They, if nothing else, the Lakers are always interesting. The Clippers, too, for, for vastly different reasons over the course of their existence, but they're clearly a contender if Kawhi Leonard returns. He's the name we're all waiting for. I know you are for work. I certainly am for work. Clippers fans, all seven of them are for what's going to happen this upcoming season. I know it's guesswork. I know very few people know what's going on with Kawhi Leonard and, and in his mind where he's at. So your best guess, educated or otherwise, where do you, th- do you think he's just sitting around waiting for the inevitable signing of his contract with the Clippers? Or do you think it's possible he could be somewhere else next season? You never say never with Kawhi Leonard, but the sense I get, you know, the Clippers are still optimistic that both, uh, you know, he and Reggie Jackson are coming back. I think when you're just looking at how the market is playing out, I mean, even if Kawhi wanted to talk with other teams, it's not like they, it's not like the 29 other teams waited to make moves. When you're looking at the Miami Heat, which was been linked as a possibility, they they did their own thing already. So I just don't see both from the fact that you know the Clippers have a good roster, they they've placated to him, and elsewhere there's really no other scenario but for him to come back. So I, my guess is 
it's more about sifting through educated guests. It's more about sifting through what the terms of the deal are. Does he want to go the one-year option? Does he want to go multi-year? And if it is multi-year, does he want to do one plus one or a four-year? Uh, and the reality for the Clippers, unfortunately, short-term is they're having they're, they have to wrestle with the strong likelihood that Kawhi is not even going to be there next year, regardless anyway, because of just his injury situation. So you know they're having to put together a roster with trying to retain as many players as they can, with the hopes that they can at least be competitive in the mix next season, knowing that Kawhi is going to be on the sidelines for most, if not all, of next season. Mark Medina, I want to get on this optimism uh, train with you. I want to feel the um, the positivity. So I'm going to go to a team that I, I I really like what the Chicago Bulls have done. I look at their roster. I look at their team. I look at their head coach, and I think this could be a really competitive basketball team. Do you have a similar view of Lonzo Ball plus Zach Levine plus DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Vucevic? Yeah, uh, it's cool that the Bulls went in for a while. They were kind of just seen as this middling team that is not relevant. Um, and I think they have a, a really good mix of players. And, you know, it remains to be seen how the roles will iron out when you're looking at Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan. But I think the encouraging thing is, to your point, they have a really good coach with Billy Donovan. And the fact that they're, and, you know, the fact that they're about just collecting talent and spending money is an encouraging sign. Zach Levine has shown promise as a young player, but he had been hopeful of taking the next step where he's showing, hey, he's not just an empty calories guy. Uh, you know, he can be like what Devin Booker was with the Suns, where his strong play is actually leading the winning basketball. And I think, in fairness to Booker and for Levine, a lot of it had to do with he didn't, they didn't really have good talent around them. So this allows that to take place. And so while there certainly will be questions of what Lonzo will look like, what Caruso will look like, what DeRozan will look like from a chemistry standpoint, it's much easier to work out those problems when you have talent as opposed to the alternative. So, yeah, propel them as a playoff team, and they have a pretty good ceiling. They're not you know, going to be contenders by any stretch. That still belongs to, to Brooklyn and Milwaukee, but, you know, they're they're finally back in the thick of things after being in the lottery for a while. Mark Medina from USA Today here on the Jim Rome Show. Medina, who, starting today, so not past accomplishments, who wins more championships going forward, Kevin Durant or Luka Doncic? Ooh. I would think Kevin Durant, you know, he already is up 2-0 on Luka. No, no, from here. They're both at zero right now, so they started. Okay, they're zero right now? Yep. From this moment on, it's a tough one. Yeah, I would. It is a tough one. I would guess Luca only because his career is just getting started. And so, while obviously I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Durant collects his third ring next season um, and he's in his prime, like Luca, Luca hasn't even reached his prime. He's just scratching the surface. And the Mavericks are expected to be a much better team after making head coaching changes and some roster tweaks and it remains to be seen if that's enough but you know Luca is seen as you know the the best player of this upcoming generation I think Kevin Durant right now is the best player in the NBA but Luca will be once the uh, the torch is passed so uh, I'd give it to Luca but you could make a case for either I love it same tricky question different players Steph Curry or Trey Young going forward Ooh, or push at zero that is a tricky question yeah. I'd go with Steph um because, you know, look, 
we don't know. If, I don't think the Warriors are ever going to be the dynasty Warriors again. But, you know, they, they took care of Steph with that extension. And the fact that Steph agreed to that really shows that he was backing up his words, that he places trust in the organization. And while, you know, it might be easy to say that when you're making a lot of money, like he also has the leverage to shake trees. So I think the Warriors are due for a title or two still with Steph, but they're not going to like be repeating by any stretch. But I think that Steph has a much better chance because he's going to have a healthy play next season. He and Draymond have a great chemistry together. And while the verdict's out on how well these young guys are going to develop with James Wiseman's second year and Jonathan Kaminga's rookie season, I think if nothing else, they're, they're solid rotation players that will give them a, a chance to be like what, what the Spurs were back in the day, always in the mix, and you never know when the, the stars align in the postseason. I, I hope so. I, lo- I mean, the Warriors are so much fun to watch when they're, when they're actually the Warriors. Last one, 30 seconds, not where he'll be, but realistically, what is the best fit for Ben Simmons, both for Ben Simmons and, and a team if they are to land him? Is it, is it Golden State? Is it Portland? I'm missing somebody. Well, I don't think Golden State's going to take him. Um, I thought that Portland would be the best fit, um, but I don't sense that either side is really interested in that deal. I think from the Sixers' perspective, they would want much more than C.J. McCollum. It would be a lot of draft picks and other assets, and I don't think that Portland's really interested in doing that kind of deal, even if that upgrades their defense because uh, they feel like, you know, that they would then leave themselves vulnerable in the offensive end. So, you know, I know the Sixers are looking for that, you know, blockbuster deal, but there's also a possibility he just stays put and they have to make the best of it. Mark Medina, I love having you on my show in the morning, the Jim Rome Show, and I'm lucky enough to fill in here. It is great stuff. Appreciate you. Follow me on Twitter at MarkG underscore Medina, which we got to get changed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to effort that. I'm going to find out who the hell's Mark Medina and see if, you know, they want to turn it over. And... We'll be reading you at USA Today. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, see you, man. Mark Medina on the show. That was a re- that was a very balanced reason Lakers answer. And he's right, by the way. It really could go one of two very different directions. My concern is that, that Dwight Howard teams, Carmelo Anthony teams sometimes, and Westbrook teams all the time, often do very well in the regular season and then flame out in the postseason. I know it's a different situation. LeBron changes everything. I'm just not optimistic. And I know I know Ben Simmons is not going to be a warrior because they didn't pull the trigger on the trade. I would have trade, traded Wiseman and two or three first-round picks and whatever else I needed for Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons would have been a perfect fit with that team, but that's me. That's my take. I'm not Bob Myers. Nikki's the guy that got to make the decision. <laughs> Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and Samer next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. Jason Lockenfora here on the Jim Rome Show. People are definitely scratching their heads a little bit about all things Lamar. You know, obviously he's got to miss 10 days at least because he's not vaccinated and he did test positive. They're trying to 
uh, alter and 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 change and have this passing game evolve and and they're doing it with new coaches and they're doing it with new schematics and new points of emphasis and new strategies and uh, new personnel, including a new center, because snapping the ball was a real problem around here last year. And Lamar's not involved in any of that. And it's nice to get reps for your your backups here or there, but I've been out there three times in a week, and I've seen enough Trace McSorley. And i got to think the coaches have probably seen enough Trace McSorley running with the ones. And um, it's just far from optimal. And, you know, he also put a – anti-vax propaganda crazy conspiracy theory stuff on his social media while in the midst of this COVID situation with the team and trying to negotiate a $40 million a year extension. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting week around here. Jason, I believe me, I would love not to ask about, about COVID. I would love to sure. live in a world where everybody, if they're supposed to wear a mask, wears masks and, and gets vaccines, but that's not the, that's not the planet we inhabit how, how significant do you think a sto- the story is going to be and the impact on games and teams it's going to be that you do have some players who won't and don't get vaccinated and you do have some coaches who are starting to talk pretty candidly about i don't know what to do this is ridiculous look it's it's woven into the fabric of our lives and it's going to be woven into the fabric of this season to what degree i, I hope quite limited but we know what the rules are and we know how close contacts are determined. And there's a reason a guy like Mike Zimmer's freaking out because he knows, especially a position group like quarterback where you don't have 10 of them like offensive linemen, you know, right now on a 90 man roster, it's real easy for you to be caught with your pants down and, and have a bunch of guys who, even if they haven't tested positive, they're unvaxxed and they're close contacts. And guess what? They're all going to miss your next game. Could that happen somewhere this season? I, I, wh- how could you say it's not? Like, how could you say it's impossible? It, it's already happening. Now, will that lead to more guys getting the shot and closing some of the loopholes? I guess the league says the numbers are trickling up, but the fact that, you know, so, you know the Vikings are, what, 64% or something like that? Yeah, Mike Zimmer's losing sleep over that. Jason Lockenfora here on the Jim Rome Show. Jason, what do you expect? What is the expectation that you've heard from what you think we'll see from Joe Burrow and that football team this season? Yeah, I don't think we'll see much of him till the regular season. I mean, unless you're out there for a practice. I, you know, Mike Brown came out the owner pretty, pretty strong at the beginning of camp and basically said we don't need to see Joe Burrow play a game unless that game, you know, affects the standings. Um, I, I just don't know that even giving him a series or two, especially given the early returns on that offensive line, it, that it's really, you know what I mean, going to be worth it. Now, my, my sort of thing about Joe Burrow is there's a mental component to these kinds of injuries, and, and what he endured was, say, more significant than, than Tom Brady's. Um, you know, when he, when he had the ACL, but, you know, Brady was more established. He was on his way to becoming – Tom Bleep and Brady, and, and he didn't look right until the other side of Thanksgiving the next year back. So, and a lot of that is just really trusting, trusting your body and trusting everything around you and being able to fully cut loose and power into your throws and, you know, plant and all that stuff that you don't think about before, you know, you, you, you tend to. It's human nature. So, 
I think they'll be a team that, that probably um, gets better along the way. Uh, I know the schedule early on, it seems like the, 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 the level of competition or where they catch some teams ratchets up as they go through the season. Um, but I also think they'll, they'll probably, I mean, again, as long as, as he's okay, they'll, uh, they'll probably get better as the season goes on. And by the end of the year, I, I would think that's a very formidable offense. Now, what's the defense look like? That's a different story. Jason Lockenford, you've, um, you've been to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. You're going to Cleveland. When you look out at the AFC, who are the teams you think make a jump or, or don't make a jump but, but legitimately challenge the Chiefs for, for supremacy on, on that side of things this year? Well, I, I think Buffalo and Cleveland would be certainly in that, in that next tier. Um, and then – you know, maybe Baltimore, maybe Tennessee. I, I might personally have them a half, half level, you know, a half notch down, maybe from those, those other two. Um, but we, Buffalo's offense, that wasn't a fluke. That wasn't fake. That wasn't a blip. Uh, and they should be able to run the ball more. I believe they're going to be able to – they'll be more efficient in the run game. And their defense wasn't the same last year. It didn't bite them too many times because the offense was that good. But I think the offense might regress to the mean a little bit. But I also think this defense, much bigger, more physical, just a completely different look up front. Um, you know, getting Starlo to Lele back, uh, the two pass rushers they took at the top of this draft, seeing a kid like Tremaine Edmonds going into year four, Ed Oliver slotted back in a more natural position, not trying to have to kind of force him, you know, to – to be the one, um, I'm buying it. I'm I'm buying it. I'm buying. It. And the most important thing there too is not, they didn't lose any of their coaches, which is very rare for a team that's on the trajectory that they've been on. You know, getting better and better, you, you usually get some brain drain along the way. That hasn't happened to them, and that I think is huge. And Cleveland, I mean, it's hard not to buy that roster. It's just, I mean, you know, and we'll see about Clowney, and and we'll see about a few other things on that defense, but certainly. They, like Buffalo, looked at their front and said, we got to fix that. Cleveland looked at their secondary and said, we got to fix that. And we got to, you know, we got to get somebody else in that Olivier Vernon role. And I think Clowney will be just fine there. Um, obviously, there's always the injury risk. And, you know, they get Chubb signed on a, on a team-friendly deal. Like, they, I, it's hard not to buy what that front office and coaching staff are all about. And they actually get to coach their players this year and, and be around them in training camp and play preseason games, which – you know, that new staff had none of that last year. So I'm very bullish on those teams. Uh, we're talking to Jason Lockenfora here on the Jim Rome Show. I'm Bill Ryder filling in for Jim. Uh, another year, JLC, another Carson Wentz injury, which is, you know, feel bad yeah. for the player. For, I feel bad for Colts fans. You know, it sucks. It is what it is. If you're a Colts fan, for the next 5 to 12 weeks, what is the, the best case, most likely scenario at that position? Well, I have a – I don't – you know, five weeks I think is pretty ambitious. This is a guy who – it's not like this happened three weeks into camp and he's already played a quarter of a preseason game and he's got a good solid base going and he's, you know, had three weeks of practice with these guys. That just not – wasn't the case. Um, so there's just – you know, there's the whole conditioning and ready to play. And I know there's familiarity there with the coach, but it's not the exact, not, it's not, it's, it's not, you know, exactly who the Eagles were four years ago. And I get it's Frank Reich and it's similar verbiage and all that, but it's different personnel. They're going to run the ball more and do some different things in the run game. 
Um, so I don't think, you know, it's just something where he doesn't need any of this stuff and he could have surgery, get cleared to return to practice, and then play a game three days later. I don't think that's how this is going to be. So, you know, I think the best-case scenario is he's back some point in October and this is behind him and he's on this redemption tour. Um, but, again, this is a player who's got uh, a, a fairly checkered injury history now, so it, it's it's difficult um, it's difficult to project that uh, Jacob Eason, they're all about him for now. We'll see if they're still all about him a month from now. Um, the guy I like is Gardner Minshew. You know, the Foles thing, I, I just don't know that that's where they want to be. They, they had an immobile quarterback last year. You know, they, they, they're, they're trying to evolve. They're, they're, they're trying to be able to move the pocket around and, and do some of the things you see football teams aching to do these days. Minshew can do some of that stuff. So we'll, we'll see. There's, there's nothing imminent. There's no talks for now. It's, again, it's all about evaluating Jacob Eason. Um, but that obviously is a, a wide-ranging timetable for a return there for Wentz. Uh, Jason, last week, Joe Judge, head coach of, of the New York Giants, got into it with Kelvin Benjamin. Benjamin was cut. Not that he's some kind of superstar. Yeah. This week, Joe Judge got to do it with his entire team. Yep. Is this is this just the way it goes and much ado about nothing or, or signs of a problem? No, for the head coach? I, I think there's been, I mean, there, there, there have been red, you know, maybe not red flag, pink flag, yellow flag, you know. Um, there's been plenty of stuff along the way. I, I mean, it just seems like there's always something there. You know, their, their first-round pick didn't have cleats that fit them, you know, for minicamp and – you're firing offensive line coaches like six games into your NFL career. And, you know, I, there was a lot of thought they might get rid of Jason Garrett. They probably should have got rid of Jason Garrett. They end up keeping Jason Garrett. The quarterback, you know, there's jobs on the line with him. Is, is Do they have the pieces there to really develop him and bring the best out of him? And I don't know, man. It was a, it was a strange hire when it happened. You know, they panicked. They, they, were, they were really high on Wink Martindale. And then Belichick gives this ringing endorsement to Joe Judge. And, oh, Mississippi State might be higher than Joe Judge. And next thing you know, the search is over and Joe Judge is coaching the, the New York football giants. And I, I would just say their recent history in terms of making these kinds of hires and handling those situations uh, has not gone well. And, and, and they've done themselves no favors in a lot of ways. So, I mean, they're, now they're saying, oh, we <laughs> – you know, um, yeah, we should have given McAdoo more time. I mean, yeah, good luck. I, I don't see good that luck. team as one that's necessarily close to being on the rise. If only there were a, you know, a, a, a large sample size of former Patriot coaches getting head coaching jobs in the NFL is just a way to measure the likelihood of success, Jason Lockerford. If only that were a, a real thing, JLC. Well, the, I mean, just, come on. The, the thing is, it's some of the same mistakes and some of the same over. sort of warning flash and signs over again. Being, like repeated immediately. Like not even any sort of ramp up. Just like, oh yeah, I've seen that movie before. All right, Jason. Hey, dude. Uh, great stuff. Appreciate the insight. Enjoy, uh, enjoy training camp. And thanks for uh, thanks for being on, buddy. You got it, man. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks. dude. You too. Jason Locking for on the show. <laughs> He is Rob Dibble, former big leaguer, World Series champion, NLCS MVP, coach, radio host, and good dude. It's a lot of things you got going on there, Dibble. What's up, buddy? Very busy. My weekends are full. I usually coach four games a weekend, so it's it's uh, doubleheader Saturdays, doubleheader Sundays, but it's fun. 
hey man, you're surrounded by one of the great games on earth. That is a that is a pretty a pretty good life out here. Dibs on the West Coast, just an overwhelming amount of of um, optimism and excitement about the Dodgers, despite really what's been. Even though they're still one of the best teams in baseball, Cody Bellinger seems to have forgotten to hit. Corey Seager's been hurt. Betts have been hurt. The Trevor Bauer thing is obviously ugly. Doesn't sound like he's going to play this season and maybe for the Dodgers again. But they go out at the deadline. Andrew Friedman. They get Max Scherzer. He goes to the mound tonight against the Astros. They get Trey Turner. What do you make of the Dodgers, how they're constructed, and what you expect, and what is still a really, really competitive NL West? Well, I, I think everybody loves Max Scherzer, but I think Trey Turner is the steal of the trade deadline. I, I honestly love the kid. I think he's one of the most exciting young players, uh, one of the fastest players, one of the most talented shortstops out there. So, uh, you know, Max is amazing, but he's a little bit older. You know, Trey Turner is the guy you could see in a Dodger uniform for the next 10 years and be an all-star every year you know, with that lineup and the protection that he has in that lineup. But Scherzer's a guy that you get to win a championship. You know, just like a few years ago, the Astros got Verlander to win a championship, and, and he came through. Um, I want Max for, for pressure games, uh, meaningful games in September, and then in the postseason. And they're going to have a lot of them because the Padres are a good team. The San Francisco Giants are leading your division. So, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about, you know, the Dodgers already had the best statistically uh, best pitching staff in Major League Baseball. Um, they just got a whole lot better with guys that are used to pitching in, in tough ball games. Dibble, there are many things I love about you. One of them is that you're super candid. So I'm going to give you my pet peeve, and you tell me if I'm onto something or maybe I'm just I'm, I'm missing. I, I, I don't understand it properly. I don't get, and I'm I'm incredibly impressed by the Giants. It's amazing what Farhan Zaidi has done. He has made them one of the best teams in baseball. I don't understand why Andrew Friedman the president of baseball operations would have allowed his GM and his right-hand man to interview for a job against the, the, the divisional rival that the fans hate it, To me, it's not that Brian Cashman is good at his job anymore, but it would be as if the Yankees had won the AL East eight years in a row were dominating, had a right-hand man who was critical to that and let him go be the GM of the, of the Red Sox. Am I missing something here? I just, I don't understand why that's not talked about more often. Well, I, because all of those things, Bill, have, have gone by the wayside in the last 20 years. We now trade within our division. There were tons of trades. All 30 teams traded guys. Um, some teams helped other teams. And, it, you know, it was crazy. I mean, the Mariners traded one of their best clo their, their closer to the Astros, you know, a team that you're chasing in the division. So whether it's executives, whether it's players, um, it's not frowned upon anymore. I, I don't get it. Um, you know, that's that's. Listen, it, it, a pet peeve of yours is the same as mine. It's like, you know, why would you help somebody get better? I, I want them to be worse so that I can continue to dominate them. And that's what sports is all about. I'm not trying to help the division or help these guys get better jobs. Listen, if you want to go out on your own when your contract's up, that's fine. But I'm not going to give you permission while you're still under contract working for the Dodgers to go interview for other jobs. And that happens in football. It happens in basketball. Uh, you know, assistant coaches become head coaches, and it's kind of like, well, you've been such a good friend, and that it's always been that kind of networking that's that's upsetting. I mean, even look at look at you've got uh, you know guys going from you know the field to Major League Baseball's executive offices, then back to Major League Baseball, and um, you know, listen, there's a conflict of interest all over the place. So when when you make decisions like that that are going to make the Giants better. 
Um, you know, that's where ownership's got a question. Well, who's your loyalty to the guys that are your friends that you brought on, on board or this, this ownership group and this organization that traditionally the Dodgers have been like the Yankees on the West coast. Honestly, they've been that good. They've been that dominant for years. They had the best pitching. They always had like the best rookies. They'd bring up They had the best scouting and development people. And you know, you know, that that's just crazy to help somebody else get better while you know you're trying to repeat as the world champions i'm with you i mean it's i'll just add on to that rob dibble here on on the jim rome show the dodgers are clearly the most talented team in baseball but anybody can win anybody can win a single game so if the dodgers don't catch the giants and have to play the padres or someone else in the nl in a one game playoff series they can lose that and if they're in that situation because farhan zaidi wove the same magic with the giants and did with the dodgers it's malpractice. I mean, I understand let people be successful. Let let Farhan go interview for the Yankees job when they fire Brian Cashman. I mean, it, anyway, it, it blows my mind. I'm glad we're on the same page. Rob Dibble here on the show. Dibbs, you, you mentioned all these trades that we saw around baseball. The Nationals, who not that long ago won a World Series. The Cubs, who not that long ago, especially Dibbs in Cubs terms, Cubs fandom years, not that long ago won a World Series. Utterly and totally tore it down. Do you like the moves? Do you think that the return and that philosophy leads to success at, at some point in the foreseeable future for either either organization? No, because a lot of these ownership groups and and remember that you know the the network that I work on, we play you know Yankee games and I watch all the Red Sox and the Mets. That you know you've gotten rid of good general managers like Theo Epstein went to the Cubs. Uh, you know Terry Francona was let go after a couple of championships and he went to Cleveland. Um, Joe Girardi, after winning a championship, was basically forced out because he challenged the analytics department. You know, the, the upper brass, the upper echelon and the ownership groups want to take more credit. And, you know, it's, it's credit to your organization. It's, you know, it's not like anybody's putting the owners down when the scouts and evaluators help you win championships. But in some terms, in the last 20 years, the egos have gotten in the way. You know, I mean, you, you go all the way back to uh, Loria when he fired Joe Girardi when he became manager of the year with the Marlins because he questioned the guy because the guy was screaming at him from, you know, behind the, the seats, behind the dugout. You know, that's the way I look at things. It's like, listen, when you have good people, you don't want to let them go. You know, it used to be uh, that, that people would stay in organizations for 40 or 50 years, especially the scouting and development people. And this happened with the Lakers when I was living on the West Coast, Bill. Remember this? When, uh, you know, the, I think it was Jim Buss took over after his dad died before Jeannie got control. Yep. And he, he brought in his, his bartender friend. He, he got all these other people. And he, he got rid of people that knew basketball for 40 years. So that, that happens all the time. And so with the Red Sox and, and the John Henry group, they were like, listen, you know, we, we helped build this championship team. We bought this team. We, we won these championships. No, not really. It was the evaluators and Theo Epstein and his people and Jed Hoyer and, uh, and Charrington and all of Ben Charrington, all those great drafts that they had. Um, those people helped you win championships, and you had no loyalty to them. And that's the way we are in, in baseball today and, and other sports. There's no loyalty to any of these guys that help you win championships. Look at Joe Torrey. You know, I've been doing this long enough to remember Joe Torrey was not wanting to take a pay cut, and they ran him out the door. I remember when the, the president, who I guess he's married to George Steinbrenner's daughter, um, that, that guy saying the Yankees made Derek Jeter. You remember that comment? The Yankees made Derek Jeter. Are you nuts? 
Derek Jeter is one of the greatest players of all time. You know, he, he just happened to be in a Yankee uniform. So this is the kind of, like, uh, you know, egos that get in the way of success. And, and it's happening right now. I, I see it with the Yankees right now, where you've got people that are above Aaron Boone calling the shots. Aaron can't even make the kind of switches and changes he wants to make, and it costs them ball games constantly. You know, and it, it happens with the Mets. It's happening with the, the Cubs and the, the Nationals. Now you, your ownership group is like, listen, I don't want to pay these guys anymore. I don't want to pay them when they become up. They come up for free agency. And a, a lot of it has to do with, you know, we think younger players can do the exact same thing because we see Tampa do it. We see Oakland do it. Oakland hasn't won a championship in, in, since the 80s. Yet with the whole money ball thing, you would think they've won five championships. Because that's, that's what's portrayed out there in the media. Well, these guys are geniuses. No, the guys that keep winning championships are, are the geniuses and really the scouts, the evaluators, and now with some of the analytics people that everybody has their place, everything comes together. But when you start questioning like your manager, your general manager, and the players on the field that helped you win those championships, if I'm a Cubs fan, I'm irate right now. You know, I sent Rizzo to the Yankees. I, I sent Baez to the Mets. I sent Bryant to the Giants. Kimbrell to the you White know, Sox. Some of our arch rivals. Kimbrell, you know, I mean, the, yeah, dude. It's, it, it, to me, it's not great. That, that's, that sickens me as a Cubs fan. All right, let's talk about some of the beneficiaries of the institutional arrogance of my Chicago Cubs. Do How do you think Chris Bryant impacts that NL West race? I mean, Craig Turner's amazing. Scherzer's amazing. I know that's a bigger haul. But Chris Bryant's a pretty nice ball player. How, how do you like him in that Giants lineup? Well, first of all, I love the kid when he's healthy. And if they yeah. can keep him healthy, he's going he's gonna to be a game changer. You know, as you're going through their lineup as a pitcher, you have to worry always about the guy that if I make one mistake, he can hit a two-run, three-run home run and beat us. So knowing that and, and having been in the postseason against great teams like the Pirates and the A's like we played against, we, we knew and recognized the guys we had to be careful with and the guys that we could attack. And so that's what changes your lineup is when you put a Chris Bryant in there that with one swing of the bat, he could change the outcome of a contest. And like you said, if it's a one-game playoff and Chris Bryant comes up with, with runners in scoring position or a chance to tie or win a ball game, um, give credit to your front office for pulling off that trade. And if he does come through, uh, that's huge. If, if you have to pitch different to the guy in front of him or behind him, that's huge too because as a, as a former pitcher – that's on my mind, you know. Oh, Chris Bryant standing on deck. I better, I better, you know, definitely attack this guy. And then all of a sudden, I feed him a fastball that he rips in the gap, and and now I'm in trouble because of the guy that was on deck that wasn't even hitting. So that's that's the difference with Chris Bryant. Him, his bat being in the lineup is a game changer. Dibs, I'm a huge Anthony Rizzo fan. Not as big a Joey Gallo guy, but obviously the Yankees went out and got two big bats. Do you like the moves? Do, do you think the Yankees are going to, by the end of this regular season, live up to what are some pretty serious expectations in New York? Dude, Yankees are in huge trouble. <laughs> uh, you got Cole and Montgomery are on your IL for 10 days with COVID. Germán just went on the IL. Severino's been battling a bad groin. He's not even back from two years ago. Um, they, they had to win that game last night with three rookies coming up and, and basically filling some holes because Cole could make the start. And Andrew Heaney, he got blasted by the last place Orioles the other night. So, you know, yeah, I love the Rizzo move. I, I even love the Gallo move. Listen, that's a lot of punch in your lineup, and uh, they're both good defensive players. So 
you can stick them anywhere, and they got better. I mean, listen, I think Gallo's a better outfielder than John Carlos Stanton. So Rizzo's a great first baseman, great bat in your lineup, and plus he's a different voice. He's a different like type of leader, um, and it's always nice to put guys with championship rings in your locker room for younger guys to kind of see how they prep for games and things like that. But you know, he's a fun-loving guy. He's he's comical, um, and I think they're too businesslike. So I, I like it in that respect. But it, you know, not getting a Gibson. Uh, not getting a, a, a Barrios uh, or a Max Scherzer or somebody like that, an ace to go with Cole, I think that could hurt them if they do make the postseason. So, yeah, you know, Heaney's a nice guy, you know, probably back end of the rotation guy, but uh, not getting more help in your bullpen and not getting an ace starter, that could come back to bite the Yankees. All right, Dibs, last one for you here on the Jim Rome Show. NL East, how, how does it uh, forecast it for me? What's the likelihood you think that the Mets hold on? It's very likely because everybody else in that division doesn't seem to want to win it. Marlins don't seem to want to do much. Nationals just gutted their team. Braves have a ton of injuries. The Acuna Jr. injury is just huge for them. The Phillies are the ones breathing down their neck. A game and a half back, uh, they, they got better because of some trades. I mean, so I, I, I like the Phillies to battle them the whole way, but it's, it's really not a great division. When you look around at, at the you know, National League West, that's a great division. When you look at the NL East and even the NL Central, um, it, you know there's a lot of teams that are going to battle to stay above 500. The Reds are one of them. The Cardinals are another one. Um, but but the NL East is very much like that one. It's kind of like okay, there's some good teams, but there's not a lot of great teams. And and I did like the Rich Hill move. Um, I, I I think that guy is a guy that he's a pitcher. He's not going to try to throw 98. He's going to go out there. He's going to try to get through the lineup to him. Two times, maybe three times. He's going to give you 18, 21 outs strong. Um, that was great. But the, the Mets got to get healthy, man. Lindor being hurt. DeGrom being hurt. Now he's got a setback. He's been shut down for two weeks. What the hell's going on with Syndergaard? I mean, that guy, he does more tweeting than pitching. So, uh, it, you know, they, if they could get healthy with their pitching staff, I think they could win it. If they don't, they're not going to win it. Rob Dibble. Hey, buddy, it's great talking to you. Thank you for just resetting me with the Cubs because you're right. I am livid. I'm just going to go back to pre-2016. I didn't expect any success, hope, or joy for my team. If I just accept that, <laughs> I'm in a good, I'll be in a good place mentally, pal. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on, buddy. There you go, Bill. Take care, bud. All right, brother. Dibs, it is so refreshing. I say this every time it comes on. That's why I have him on all the time. It is so refreshing to find people who will be honest. I'm telling you, in this business, the chair I'm sitting in right now, it is way too often that what you hear from people when you're listening, is totally different when you're not, when I'm having a beer with the person, having the exact same conversation. A spe- and that's, that's with anybody. It's really hard with former players who are friends with everybody and care about whether they're liked. Love Rob Dibble, because he, he says exactly what he thinks. Good night, now!